Hey, everybody. Welcome to the World Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you, inspires you, and more than anything, helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. For more information and resources, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. So I want to just build a foundation again, because it has been a few weeks since I spoke. Um, we've had uh, people from Argentina here. Wasn't that good? That was really, really good. Really good. Good words. Good words. Um, good ministry. Some of the cell groups had special things, and we're just thankful for all those meetings. It's good to be equipped and to build, be built up. Amen? Then during the, the colonial wars, um, back in the day when America was fighting against the British and all that, and it was really rough, some of the, the wars that were fought, um, they weren't so much about brute strength and guns and bombs. It was about tenacity through cold weather. It's, it's true. It's true. People would get very discouraged and they'd become very disheartened because they're eating things that they normally wouldn't eat or didn't eat at all. And different people were paid to write uh, articles and things that would be read to the soldiers that would bring great encouragement and it would put the fight back in the fight. Isn't that something? They didn't get an injection of nutrition but they heard something encouraging, and a lot of times it would be biblically based in a lot of those, those uh, articles. Isn't that interesting? But God would give some, some chutzpah back in their life, and they'd want to engage in the battle again. And so sometimes God just wants to equip and encourage. Amen? But I, I want to get into a couple things here. So let's, let's go to James 5.16. This was our, our base scripture for this series. And I think we're going to get into some things that are uh, going to kind of stretch you, kind of rattle you a little bit. I'm going to share some stories. It'll be fun. Say it'll be fun. James 5.16. How many know that God knows where you're at? I was praying for different people, and there's like something that you sense, like you kind of feel a gut feeling, but then all of a sudden the Lord begins to turn on the flashlight and then begin to show me where they're actually at and what they were feeling. And then as I was saying that, people would cry, you know. And, and God knows where you're at. Amen? Amen? And He knows what we need in this season. So let's jump in the Word. James 5.16. This is the Amplified Bible. If you have the Amplified or you have your Amplified iPhone thingy, just turn there. If someone next to you has an Amplified and you want it, just take it. They'll forgive you in church. <laughs> James 5.16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins one to another, your false steps or your offenses. It's really important when we begin to come into prayer that if there are things that the Lord shows you that you're carrying offenses towards someone, that you begin to bring forgiveness and resolve those things. You don't want anything in the way. Amen? Amen. That's what he's saying here. Uh, to pray for one another, it's important to pray for one another. Uh, would you agree? Yes. All right. So put your hand on someone. We're going to practice this. Practice makes perfect. All right. 
Let's pray for them. Say, Lord, Lord we, pray touch them. we pray that you touch them. I pray that you bless them. I pray that you give them a week of breakthrough. I pray that you let them enjoy this weather. In Jesus' name. Woo, come on. And it says to pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. There'd be more healings and restoration in the church if we'd learn to pray for one another. And then it goes on to say this, the heartfelt and persistent prayer. Note here, it says the heartfelt, it has to come from the heart. Can't be just monotone babbling. But a heartfelt prayer, see, becomes intense in heaven. And persistent prayer, say persistent. Persistence is something that Jesus taught on a lot when it came to prayer. He said it almost has to come to the point of being obnoxious that you would go and knock and knock and knock until you get your answer. Sometimes we pray once or twice and we give up and we feel like God didn't answer our prayer. But He wants us to get some chutzpah in us. Amen? We have a son or daughter that's wayward or we have... Uh, uh, a job that's failing, or we can't meet our bills. God wants us to get some grit in our soul and go after that thing until we see a breakthrough. Just say amen. amen. And this is so good. And it says, the persistent prayer of a righteous man. Are you a believer? Amen. Are you the righteousness of Christ? Isn't that what the Bible says? Are you covered in the blood of Jesus Christ? Or are you just a bunch of religious people? That means when you pray, and the devil don't want you to know this, but when you pray, heaven shakes and hell quakes. Well, I didn't see prayer that way. Well, God wants to open up a revelation of true prayer. Prayer that changes schools. Prayer that changes government. Prayer that changes families. Prayer that takes you out of poverty. Amen? It says the, the persistent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic. Say dynamic. dynamic. Wow. It's like he's trying to get something through to us. I've shared this story about my old boss from years ago that... Um, you know, I just, I just didn't like him at all. You ever meet someone like that? I was just blessed to have him as a boss. And he was hardcore. He was from out east in a hardcore area. And he's actually from Detroit. And I mean, the guy was tough. He was obnoxious. He was annoying. He was always on me. It was ridiculous. I came up with some great ideas for the corporation to make a pile of money. And he stole my ideas and went directly to the boss. I prayed that God would take him home. Because I know that prayer is dynamic, you know. I, I did. I started praying these, you know, and the Lord would convict me. It's like, how about you pray that he gets saved? Don't you believe I can change someone? 
like, oh, God. I pray he would get saved. (laughs) And somebody invited him to a promise keepers meeting back then, a long time ago. And he didn't want to go, and he refused to go, but his mother-in-law talked him into it. He went into the doors. He walked into the doors and started to cry. Hardcore, tough guy. Became a very close friend of mine. He called me in his office all the time after that. He'd be crying. I bought him a Bible. My boss. Then I bought him a theology book, and we'd sit and talk about the Bible. And we did that for years until he moved on and I moved on. Do you think that God can change people? Prayer is dynamic. Say, prayer is dynamic. dynamic. We have tremendous power in prayer. Here's an interesting thing about in 1962, the government made a very unwise decision and they, they took prayer and they cast it out of school. Up until that time, America had seen a tremendous wave of blessing and protection and safety. And they would pray basic prayers in every classroom in America that God's protection, blessing, His promises would be there. You know, all those things would be there on family. And here's an interesting thing. After 1962, when they removed God from the public school, we had a six-fold increase in violent crime almost within, it was just a few years. Six-fold increase upon young people. They started feuding. They lost that sense of the conviction of God. Is prayer powerful? Our Our divorce rate tripled after that date. Births to single mothers had increased fivefold. The teenage suicide rate tripled. The SAT scores, uh, they dropped 10%. That means 80 points on the overall score. And the statistics go on and on and on. There's downward graphs, one after another, after 1962 that affected our young people and their future. Prayer matters. So, God wants to teach the church to pray again. Here's one of the things that in every movement that came across the world, God used John Wesley, He used a number of different people, but the core of every movement that changed the United States, that changed communities, that changed families, guess what the secret recipe was? Prayer. Prayer. People that would get together, And they would just simply pray. You don't have to spend all day together. But just agree in prayer and stand in faith and watch God change people. All right. The Bible says in Acts 2, 42, it said that when they got together and they would pray, it said that everyone was filled with the awe and the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. But it talks about that when the church began to pray, that the awe of God was released in the community, the Christian community. 
It was common to have faith. It was common when someone was struggling that they would grab a brother and say, pray with me because we need a breakthrough in this area. And they had, they had tenacious faith to see it happen. It's quiet in here. All right, so let's go back to our... Trying to think, how can I fit all this in? Hey, Packers have a bye week. We can be here till whenever. So Jesus said, let me teach you how to pray. Did you know that Jesus won all of his battles in prayer prior to the affliction? Prior to the struggle? The Holy Spirit would lead him into a time of fasting and prayer, right? Remember when he faced the devil? The Holy Spirit led him in a time of fasting and prayer before that encounter happened. And if we would get sensitive to the Lord and take and listen when he's saying you need to come into a season of prayer, then you'll have everything you need to walk victoriously when that event happens. Did Jesus conquer the devil? Oh, yeah. What if he would have said, he's Jesus in the flesh, of course, but the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. What if he would have said, no, I'm good. See, he's he's a template for us. He was showing us an example how important it is to listen to the Spirit of God. So God brought him into a time of fasting and prayer, and then he faces the devil. No challenge, the devil's defeated. Amen? That's so good. So Jesus is going to teach us how to pray. And it says, when you pray, pray like this. And I hit all these before, but I'm hitting something specific today. So just give me a little room here. He said this. He said, when we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, we start prayer with declaring the presence, uh, the glory of God. He's holy. He's mighty. You begin to pray by first entering in a time of worship and creating and cultivating an environment of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. Because if we do that first, it opens up our spirit, man. It gives us this sense of faith because we feel the presence of God. Then we're ready to engage in a faith-filled prayer. You guys get that? I know I hit that before. And then number 10, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's talking about the assignments of God and the will of God in the heavens that God wants to do it here on earth. I don't want to get caught up in too much of this because it's repeat. Uh, Verse 11 says, Give us today our daily bread. We go before Him and we ask Him for our daily needs. There's nothing wrong with that. Bible says that you receive not because you ask not. So if you have a need, how many do this with your bills? I heard a guy uh, years ago, I think it was David Hogan, he said, lay your hands on your bills and declare that God would pay them. See, we have a naturalistic thinking that we have to figure it all out ourselves. but he began to uh, lay his hand on there and declare that God would meet his needs. God would pay off his debts. That God would, God would break through and do something powerfully. 
Now, we need to work hard. We need to do all those things. But he wants to be the provider. Amen? My work, when I work at my job, and I work hard, do what I'm doing, the proper perspective of your job isn't that your, your employer is paying your bill. It is that God gave you a job, and as you work hard, God is going to bless you through that. Amen? That's the proper perspective. I can give Him praise and glory for my paycheck. Forgive us of our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And we forgive each other, and we forgive each other's debts. How many have completely forgiven everyone in your life? That's almost everyone here. Okay. <laughs> there were no hands. We need to forgive each other. It creates an atmosphere of no resistance in the Spirit. You guys okay? I have to hurry here. Number 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And this is the one that I wanted to get to today. This is a part of our prayer that we need to understand. Uh, Char, Pastor Shar used my scripture without asking me. It was about, let's see if I can find it here. Yeah, here it is. This was Moses was going before the Lord because they had left Egypt and now the Egyptian soldiers were pursuing them. Can you picture that? They left, they're all excited. The Egyptians gave them wealth. They gave them, they said, get out of here. We're tired of these plagues. We know that God is with you. And they leave with the blessings of Egypt, the spoils of Egypt. They're excited, they're singing. And they get all the way to the Red Sea and they turn around and now the chariots that they've seen slaughter enemy armies are chasing them down and they're defenseless. How many know that that can change your attitude? And I love this because here's what, what God said to Moses. Let me go to Exodus 14. Are you ready? 13, it says, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and shall hold your, and you shall hold your peace. Now, it's interesting, because he said the Lord will fight for you, but then the Lord turns it around, and he says this, this is what I want you to get. Because as we get into this next few minutes, this is very important. The Lord will fight for you. Say, the Lord, the Lord will, fight for you. will fight for you. Okay, that's important. That's good. But that doesn't mean that he's going to do everything. And this is, this is the point in verse 15. It says this, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Moses is like, because the people are chasing us. Okay, I get it. Yes, we cry out to the Lord. But when we understand who we are in Christ and what Jesus did on the cross and the power of the Spirit that was released, 
And we understand that we're sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, of the Lord. This is, this is what the Lord says, see? This is, this is what He says. Are you, are you with me? Are you guys awake? Are you guys awake? All right. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. In other words, he was saying, that's great, you can call upon him, but he already gave you every tool. He gave you those things that if we take advantage of them and we take our authority as children of God, we'll see tremendous breakthrough. And when we don't understand, we just sit there and continue to pray about something and, and if it's in an area that God has already given us that breakthrough, we just have to begin to declare it and, and take authority and begin to break ground. Let's, let's keep going. I just need to make this clear because I think that happens a lot. When we don't understand our place of authority, when our family's under attack, and we're saying, God, help us, God, help us, God, help us. That's fine. And he'll give you some wisdom and he'll try to have a friend or someone speak to you to give you good counsel. But what he wants us to do is to take authority. To take authority over the attack that's coming on your son or daughter or family. And to see that thing broken. Amen. Where am I going? I'll tell you where. I'd like you to go to 2 Corinthians 10.4. You guys okay? You awake? You guys good? I want to release some things that will just kind of shake you up a little bit. We don't like just boring Christianity. Right? Okay, we'll hit a couple of these. 2 Corinthians 10.4 The weapons of our warfare, right? Let me go to the NIV. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They're not naturalistic. They're not science. They're not just reasoning. Do you get this? The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world on, on the contrary. He's like, on the contrary. This goes beyond science. This goes beyond logic. Well, follow the science. Okay, anyways. <laughs> on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Years ago, there was a guy that I knew that I was very close to, and, and he got into a cultic environment. And the Lord began to teach me about spirits and about this demonic realm. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Did you know that there are demonic spirits? Did Jesus ever deal with demonic spirits? Remember Mary Magdalene? She came, and she came, it was Mary from Magdalene. 
She came from a very dark, seedy background, probably a prostitute, probably did a lot of things she regretted. And when she met Jesus, Jesus put her through counseling for 25 years to bring her into freedom. It was an amazing thing. You could get the book. It was... I love Christian counseling, and we, we, you know, we recommend people to go and all that. But Jesus seen the root cause of her troubles, and the Bible says that He cast seven spirits out of Mary, and Mary was dramatically changed and became a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, at the, at the tomb, at the cross, where else was Mary? Everywhere. She was set free, and God transformed her life through an encounter of deliverance. A spirit can get a hold of your mind. Do you believe that? So this friend of mine, he started getting into this cult type thing, and uh, what they had to say was just so interesting and, you know, they, they just kind of led him into captivity, into his mind. And you couldn't reach him. You talked to him, and it was just like it didn't make sense anymore. I would say one thing, and he would hear another. Do you know what I'm saying? It was the most bizarre thing. Do you guys know what I'm saying? It was a spirit of deception. And so I, I said, Lord, what am I going to do about this? And I started to pray. And I would walk, and I'd walk, and I'd walk at night. And I would pray, and I'd walk at night. And I'd walk, and I'm declaring the word of the Lord. And I'm praying, and I'm saying, God, what is this? And I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm saying, God, I just pray that you would make some sense to this thing. I don't want to lose this person. God, in the name of Jesus. And I'm walking and I'm walking day after day and I'm calling upon the Lord. And now it's about, oh, about 11 o'clock at night. And here I'm, it's kind of creepy out. You know what I mean? It's dark out. And there I am and I'm praying and I'm saying, God, in the name of Jesus. And I'm praying for Him. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God I felt the Spirit of God. It was just like He was about six feet above me. And I heard a voice yell, speak very loudly. I don't care what you believe. That's what God did in the, in the New Testament. He spoke to people. Do you, did you ever, ever read that? He spoke to people. The Lord spoke to me. And He said this. He said, Mesmerized! It scared me so bad, I literally came off the ground about six feet. And I was shaking like this. I go, I rebuke the spirit of mesmerizing. And then I said, I don't know what that is. But my heart just about jumped out of my chest. I'm not kidding you. That was days of prayer. And I started to go back and I began to research what that was. The Lord said, mesmerized. See, you can get your mind caught up into something. And the devil can take advantage of that. And I looked it up and it said, bewitched, um, hypnotized, inspelled. And I began to do warfare for him. And all of a sudden, he was 
miles and miles and miles away, states away, and he had an awakening. He woke up and he said, oh my God, I'm deceived. And he got his heart right with God and he came home to his family. Mesmerized. It's a spirit that can captivate you and get you caught up. Isn't that crazy? You couldn't have argued him home, but I had that encounter with God, and I took authority over it like the Lord said, and he had an awakening in his bed, and he came to, he got his life right, and he came home. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, in the 5th century, in the 5th century, all the way up to then, people believed in a thing called a warfare view, especially in prayer. We're talking about prayer. Say prayer. Okay, there was a warfare view. What's a warfare view? Come on, you guys are Christians. What's a warfare view? They believed that Jesus came, this is early Christians, that what he taught about is what he meant. When he had an encounter with the devil in the wilderness and he rebuked him, he defeated the devil. They believed that. The early Christians believed that sometimes people could be under the influence of a spirit, but when they took authority in the name of Jesus, they could break that demonic blockage off of a person's life. If they had an addiction, they could break it in the name of Jesus Christ. They believed the Scriptures. And it wasn't until until the 5th century that St. Augustine came on the scene, a very brilliant man. He was like Socrates. He began to teach people that logic is superior and that supernatural things, they meant well, but it's really logic and they didn't understand. And people began to buy into this mentality and began to teach a logical gospel, and they got away from authority, and they got away from understanding the Spirit of God. And that began to permeate the Western culture. St. Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, and others began to become strong in a westernized thinking And they got away from understanding who we are in Jesus Christ. That we have authority when we pray. That we can take authority. We can stand. You guys okay? You're like, well, you know, let's just talk about something else. So that was called the warfare worldview. They actually had faith. And when they prayed for the sick, they believed that God was going to touch them. They didn't have 100% results. The only one that did was Jesus Christ. But we're all growing. The other type of mentality that came in that I was talking about with with St. Augustine, this was called the divine blueprint model. And it was based off rationale and logic. And when that began to permeate the church, They stopped talking about supernatural things 
and they only began to talk about logical reasoning and rationale in their Christian walk. Just say, I don't want that. I want to go back to believe what the Bible says. Well, Chris Ballatin, has anyone ever read or heard of Chris Ballatin? I love his stuff. Has anybody ever read one of his books? He wrote a book called Spirit Wars, and I want to recommend it. It is tremendous. If you're in a dark season or a valley, you need to read that book. You'll come out of that valley as you come out of that book. I mean, it'll, it's just, it's amazing. But Chris Ballatin, uh, very smart guy, loved God, got saved at a young age. He became a youth pastor. They, uh, they had a tremendous amount of, of kids that got saved under their ministry. God used them for years. And one day, say one day, Chris, man of God, you know, God spoke to him one time. He, he had these businesses, and this is Chris Ballatin. He had this software program that, that uh, the company that he bought it from, their accounting software, went out of, uh, out of business. So he was stuck. He wanted to expand it to more registers in his car parts business, auto parts business, and he needed a, a password, a key code, to expand the users in his software. So... What does Chris do? Chris fasts and prays and begins to seek the Lord. He says, God, we need to have a solution because we've got these businesses that need this software and we don't know what to do. So he begins to fast and pray and God gives him a vivid dream and he writes down what he saw in the dream, all these little symbols, all these things, asterisks. It was about 25 characters. And he said, Lord, why did you show me that? And the Lord spoke to him the next day. He said, that's the code for the software. He thought, we'll see. He told his wife, and she thought, no way. They keyed it in, and it opened up the software, and God blessed them that way. Isn't that something? Tell me God doesn't do stuff. See, there's a warfare worldview where Jesus Christ is Lord we can have authority. When we pray, we shake heaven. When someone is away from God, we can pray them back. Amen? Amen? The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not what? Carnal. What does the world do when you don't know God? When someone is in trouble, what do you do? You just hope. I hope things changes. When you're a Christian and you know your authority, you know the Word of God, and you're full of faith, and somebody brings up a situation like that, what do you do? Are you just in hope? No, you shake heaven until that thing turns around. Because God has given us tools in our toolbox to actually create change on the planet. So Chris Ballantin, God's using him tremendously. And he, he, one day, he goes to take a bath, Fills up the tub, hot, steamy water. Puts on his swimming suit, of course, because this is PG. <laughs> Sits in the bathtub, and he says he starts to relax. And a voice spoke to him, a dark voice spoke to him, and said, you're going to die. He said, I don't know what I was thinking, but he said, I began to believe it. And he said... He started to think about his you know, eating habits and his stress in his life. And he started to believe that he was going to die. 
and he went into a panic attack, and he almost had a heart attack. He went into a severe depression. He said it didn't make any sense. It made no logical sense. He could not get out of this depression. He tried drugs you know, from the, the counselor. He tried everything to get out of this season. He could not come out of this thing. He said he thought he was losing his mind. For three years, he'd get up enough ambition to go to work, and he could just barely stand to be there. When he'd come home, he'd collapse and he'd lay on the couch. For three years, he laid on that couch. Three years. Of course, his wife was getting tired of it. His kids, you know, it's like, where did our champion dad go? that had faith and authority and God would speak to him and there he is, docile, empty. Remember Elijah? Man of God, called down fire. Set things straight in Israel. He was the man of God. He was the man of power. He could do miracles. And he heard one little thing and it flipped him off. Jezebel was going to kill him. And he went running into the mountains and he laid there like a dead man. And God began to speak to him and nourish him. And finally he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? See, God still seen him as a child of God full of faith and power. But when you come under that mesmerizing thing and you come under that thing, you start to see yourself as, as uh, not victorious but losing, no faith, you start doubting God. You start saying, well, I know God can do it for him, but he'll never do it for me. You start thinking things you never thought you would think. And God had to nurture and wake up Elijah. And the last thing we see is Elijah coming off the mountain. He called back rain. Praise God. God stirred him up and he said, get a son. So he trained up a son, and then God took him home. But he left victorious. Amen? So Chris Valentin, he's wondering what is going on. And in that season, demonic things began to happen. Is this too much for anyone? You guys okay? I've experienced some of these things myself. But he said in his, can I just say what he said? Read his book. He said in that season, it got so dark, he felt like God left him. He felt like the devil moved in. He said he had many demonic attacks and many demonic encounters. When people would turn the lights off, all the pictures would fall off the walls. Weird things began to happen. Captivate him, scare him, terrorize him. And he laid there and he didn't know what to do day after day after day. And he thought life was over. See, we can get under a wrong thinking, amen? We can get caught up in that thing. And here we're just wasting time and wasting days and we're laying there saying, will I ever come out of this season? And finally, he said, he was living out in the mountains and he, the TV, nothing would work out there. And he turned on his radio one night and he thought, I'm going to listen to a preacher. Maybe a preacher will speak to me. And he put his head up by that speaker and he laid there on the floor and the preacher said basically I'm just going to paraphrase a long story he said you came under some thinking 
And it's a demonic attack. And this thing has got you paralyzed. He laid there and he said, oh my gosh, never seen it. He began to call out to the Lord and said, God, help me. And the Lord said, You've, this is what the Lord spoke to him right there on the floor. Three years. The Lord said, you came under the influence of a spirit of insanity and a spirit of fear. He said, God, what do I do? He said, rebuke it sternly. He said, that's it? Three years. That's it? That's what he said to the Lord. And the Lord's like, try it. He got up and he started doing warfare. And you ever have your, your teeth x-rayed? You ever do that? And they put that lead thing on you? You guys ever have that happen? He said it was like his whole body was covered in that heavy thing. And when he took authority, he said it's like that feeling flew off of him. And he started to laugh and jump and scream and cry and dance. And then he walked in the other room and he said, Devil, you should have killed me when you can. Now everyone will know that you're a loser. We know the rest of the story. If you know his life, God's used him all over the world. Written many, many bestsellers. He's been used behind the scenes in some of the biggest corporations in the world where they use him to, to they ask him for advice. They have him pray with their staffs. He's been in a whole bunch of governments around the world where they've called upon him to, to seek the Lord, to give wisdom. God can change your life. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness. Just say amen. amen. I'll just give you the last couple of scriptures and then we'll get out of here. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph in Christ. Don't you love that? You're coming out of this season, amen? The faith you used to walk in, you're going to walk in again and at a higher level. Second Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph in Christ. Yes. Say always. always. Say I'm coming out of this season. Out of this season. Say my kids are coming out of this season. My company's coming out of this season. My cell group's coming out of this season. We're going to multiply. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see people saved. Amen. I like Ephesians. We don't have time to go through the whole thing. But Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, he wraps it up with you know, understanding the spirit realm. Remember Ephesians 6? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual war. Uh, all that stuff. 
But Ephesians is broke down in three categories. And he's writing to mature Christians. He's writing to Christians. Amen? I'm going to give you this, and then I'm, I'm going to close. It's, the first thing in Ephesians is he talks about sitting. Ephesians 1, 1 through 4, it says that we sit with Christ in heavenly places. In other words, everyone that's a believer, every Christian has authority over the dark world. I had someone in witchcraft. I wish I had more time. I could tell you stories. She came in. She was in witchcraft. She was, her friend was in all this weird stuff. And there they are trying to convince me about something. And I just looked at them and I just said, come on, Lord, something like that. And her friend began to shake violently and ran out of the church. She fell down, curled up on the floor. Long story short, powerful woman in witchcraft. Ooh. <laughs> completely delivered, gives her heart to Christ. She gets up, she goes, I just feel like I'm so, like, like I had so much demonic junk in me. Now I'm free, but I feel like there's more. There's something like God wants to give me. I said, that's the Holy Ghost. I prayed for her. The power of God hit her. She began to speak in tongues and she left on fire for Jesus. Yes. The first one is sitting. We sit in heavenly places. We have authority as Christians. Don't anyone ever tell you you don't have authority. You're a child of God. Number two is in Ephesians 4, it talks about walking. It's one thing to know you have authority. It's another thing to walk like you have authority. Amen? To stand and fight and believe. To, to believe for people to get saved. To know that when you pray that you have tremendous authority. I walk in authority. Are you guys alive? Yes. yes. Oh, come on. I just feel like, the, like God is here. You know what I mean? Ephesians. <laughs> Sitting. I sit with Christ in heavenly places. I have authority. Say I have authority. But it's important that I walk with authority. And the last thing here is Ephesians 6. It says, Having therefore done all to stand, that you stand. That you learn that one of the most powerful things that you can do is to learn how to stand in faith and stand in authority and watch God fight for you as you take your authority. What do I do? My son or daughter is away from God and I'm all upset and I don't know what to do. What do I do? I begin to take authority just like Jesus taught the disciples. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We love well. We love well. We need to love well. Amen? And then we need to fight in the Spirit well. And when you, you can accomplish more in the Spirit than you ever can in the natural. You can accomplish wealth in the Spirit far more than you can in the natural. God can give you one idea that can bring a million dollars into your life. We sit, we walk, and we stand. And I'd like you to stand right now. But we need to learn how to stand. We draw a line in the sand and we say, Devil, that's enough. I'm taking my ground back and I'm going to stand for my kids. When people are going through depression and you think it's hopeless... We need to learn how to stand in faith with them. Amen? Amen. We're going to break that curse off their life. If they're saved, they have the right. The Bible says that you have the right 
for sweet sleep. You have the right to walk in peace and victory. Amen? How many want to go after that? Amen. 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 Man, I just feel the presence of God here. Yes. I just feel like the Lord is saying, wake up, church! Be who God called you to be. You're not powerless. You're victorious. When you pray, heaven shakes and hell shudders. I like that. Let's put that on a t-shirt. Amen. Your life is going to change. You're going to come out of that valley. Some of you have been in a valley too long. I've been in valleys. I hate valleys. But when I have, when I come out of the valley is when I have an awakening where God will speak to me and He'll show me that what I'm under is not what I thought I was under. And then I get like mad. It's like... <laughs> I told you that story about my friend, and that really happened. Mesmerized. See, they were captivated by a way of thinking that kept them enspelled and in bondage. When God broke that thing, they came to their senses. Now he's a very strong Christian guy. But God's, God's, God knows how to fix us. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's, let's pray with someone. Just go ahead one more time. Let's pray that our area gets saved. How is that? Father, we pray that our area would get saved. Lord, we pray against any resistance of the devil, any resistance of a demonic attacks. And we just pray that our area would get saved, our families would get saved. I pray, Lord, that extended relatives would get saved, friends would get saved. I pray that cell groups would multiply. I pray that you would see revival come to our schools. I pray that revival would come to government. I pray that revival would come. I pray that it would be the invoke thing to be a man or woman of God. I pray the tide would turn. I pray the airwaves would be on fire for Jesus Christ. How is that possible? I don't know. But I believe that God can do it. In Jesus' name. God's going to take some people that have been in a season, and you're going to see yourself come out of that season, and you're going to be like a firestorm in our community. You're coming out of that thing in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. All right. We need to close. Look at that. What time is it? It's 2.30. I was going to say somewhere, but it's not. Isn't God good? Amen. Father, we just pray you bless the people. Dismiss them. Let them go in peace. But wake them up in the name of Jesus, we pray. Give us tremendous faith. Help us to see... Help us to see through your eyes, God, that we can walk in victory in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any new messages. To learn more or to get connected with us, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.